Uh, Genesis 29. Genesis 29. Uh, Genesis 29. This morning's sermon is out of the book of Genesis, and tonight is out of the book of Genesis. Both sermons are not because it's January, uh, but both sermons are because uh, this is what the Lord wants. And uh, so Genesis 29, and we're going to pray. I don't know if you all enjoy church. I enjoy church. Let me tell you why. You never know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Have you ever been with a family and you're like, are we sure we want to take this family into that restaurant? <laughs> y'all ever, you know what I mean? Especially when it's a fancy restaurant and then you look at the children and you go, y'all behave. Now, now this ain't McDonald's. Y'all behave right now. Uh, so, or, or you have guests coming over and you lecture all your children. Act like you're not at home. And uh, so, Genesis 29. Genesis 29. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I love, I love this time. I, this is not a drudgery. This is not a duty. Uh, this is joy. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to look into your word, help the scriptures to define our life. Bless us, watch over us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Genesis chapter 29, and if you will look at verse number 1, we're going to take our time to read through verse 1 and verse number 11. Let me give you some background context. This is Jacob. On the backside over here, you're going to find out that Jacob has had a conflict with uh, the preceding couple of chapters. He's had a conflict with Esau, this epic conflict of manipulation uh, by Mama with Jacob and Esau. Jacob now understands that his actions have ruined the relationship temporarily with his brother Esau. Mama tells Jacob, get out of here, get, the, get to your uncle's house. So he's now on this journey from, the, from Esau, this conflict. Uh, there is a chapter we're going to go back and reference. But now we come to the story to where Jacob now is getting ready to meet his uncle Laban. And before he does, this is the story where we're at. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth, and thither were all the flocks gathered. And they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, that's his uncle, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto him, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day. Neither is it time that cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. And they said, We cannot until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth that we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. Now, write Shazam. Wow. Because look what's about to happen. And it came to pass... When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, 
that Jacob went near, took off his coat, rolled up his arms, flexed his muscles, <laughs> posed down, looked at this woman, and then did what every man wants to do, show off. <laughs> and he rolled that stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Verse 11 is R.G.'s life verse. <laughs> and Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. That's funny to me. And I've not quite yet theologically put into character why did he cry after he kissed. <laughs> I, I've never, we got a wedding coming up and I, and I, I truly believe. You may now kiss the bride. Ah, okay, I... Now, now y'all listen to this. That is my sophomoric mind uh, that happens at that point. I, I want to stop and, and say this, that um, back theologically, if you will, that there is the church in the wilderness. That was one church. We progress through the Old Testament, and now we come to the New Testament. Jesus starts his church. Jesus now is crucified, he is now buried, he now is risen. And then he wanted his believers, the apostles, if you will, the leaders, to go start multiple duplication of the church that he started. So his was the pattern, and his game plan was, until he comes back to get his family, that he meant for there to be the multiplication of houses of worship and churches for family members to come to until we go to heaven to where now we have one church again where Jesus is the head. So right now he is and should be the head of everything we do, but visibly we don't have that. So spiritually, by faith, we trust that the pastor, the under-shepherd, is leading us to love the great shepherd every time we meet. The under-shepherd has no right to take Lord over God's flock. That's very clear in 1 Peter. But this is, what this, this, this is what this is. I said all that to set up the story for today. So understand that there is no one great big universal canopy of a church. There are only, by true definition, a local called out body of baptized believers and this is who we are but isn't it wonderful that when we go on vacation isn't it wonderful that when we go someplace else we can find a family member that goes to their house and they say hey come on over let's eat spiritually over here at the house and we have we have truly we're blessed we are truly blessed but understand that when you and I trusted Christ as our Savior, where we have one local church that we're a member of and we attend, and that may change for you throughout the years, and I don't know and I'm not going to ask, but this probably is not the first church you've ever been a member of, but it is one of the churches that you've been a member of. Just like you would 
transfer houses and move from this house to this house. That's what you've done. Part of this family. Well, when we get into this family, this is a huge family. Y'all, anybody who has trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And listen, this is a huge family. And sometimes when you are at the mercy of the family, this is a family member. This is part of our family. And this is, you probably have in your family. I don't because I'm the one speaking. You probably have those family members that you have to explain away to everybody else. I cannot say that because I have a perfect family because I'm the one speaking. I love you, Sibs. And uh, so my goal this morning is to let us know that just like the dynamics that exist in your family, that you are like, well, that's that part of our family. That is just how that part of the family lives. That, that is... That is not, now kids, listen to me. We're going to go visit that part of the family, but understand that that's not really, and everybody's had those awkward conversations. So I just want to have the awkward conversation publicly that we are at the mercy of family members spiritually that maybe attend our church, maybe don't attend our church, but we live in the information highway to where you can pick up the phone and you can go to social media and you can find out what the other family members are doing and then you are either like, uh, why are they doing that? What is going on with that? Um, I don't understand that. This is not necessarily anything other than I truly believe that the sermon, the truth you're going to hear today, was a truth and is a truth that God used in my life back in the year 12, 2012. So that's how long ago this has, and this has kind of guided me. So let me bring to the forefront on this day what is going on here in the story. You find that Jacob is coming off a bad relationship with Esau, a very volatile relationship that he's trying not to die over. He leaves his mama. He's on his way to his mother's brother, his uncle Laban. He gets near this well, and as we just spoke about, he uh, reaches up and flexes his muscles, and it's a wow moment. Here is this girl named Rachel, and, and it's like, oh, my soul. Jacob is carrying with him the continued promise that God gave Abraham about the fact that he would be part of this promise that the multiplication of the family. Go back to Genesis chapter 28 in verse 13. In freshly coming off a bad relationship with Esau, trying to get away from the situation, on his journey, Genesis 28 and verse number 13, the Bible says, And behold, the Lord stood above it. This is known as Jacob's ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, verse 15, and will keep thee in all, the, all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again um, into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee Jacob totally understands that with his life will be the fulfillment 
or, 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 or I should say part of the fulfillment of this promise to absolutely take this family and replenish the entire earth spiritually. So he then comes to the well. Now let me start out by saying this. What was simply a love between a man and a woman got complicated real quick. Got complicated real quick. All it was was Jacob looking at Rachel going, wow, baby. <laughs> and Rachel going, wow. And Jacob going, watch this, baby. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Now, now, I'm going to stop right here. You know it was a put-on. Because what man waters plants or animals? Anyways, uh, so, so you'll find then that, that it, this was simple. Listen to this. Please don't make the Christian life any simpler than boy meets girl. Don't, don't go past sinner meets Savior. Don't, don't, don't get into this thing that gets us so complicated that it's like, well, what kind of family member are we going to be? It's very simple. Sinner meets Savior. Savior forgives sinner. Sinner spends the rest of their life in love with Savior. Savior's in love with sinner. And everything sinner does is just to tell everybody else how good Savior is. And don't let the other family members complicate the process. And as long as our church keeps it Simple. Jesus flexed his muscles on Mount Calvary. And Jesus posed down on the cross. And Jesus whipped death. And Jesus conquered the grave. And Jesus ascended back to heaven. Jesus is making intercession for you and I right now. Don't make it complicated. It is simple. Sinner, meet Savior. Savior, save sinner. And they lived happily to ever after together. And the only time it gets complicated is when somebody has a hidden agenda of something else when somebody else says oh, no 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 that's not how I want it done Emmanuel Baptist Church would you listen to the pastor and understand I do not want Emmanuel Baptist Church to get sophisticated in Christianity just keep it simple he saw us and wanted us we saw him and we wanted him all we wanted to do was get married all we wanted to do was disappear marriages and weddings and the dynamics of it and and uh been in discussions about weddings and uh, it was funny because it was like, okay, pastor, um, Andrea was like, okay, do we do this? Do we do this? Do we do this? Do we do this? We're playing the wedding. We have wedding packets. But, but every couple is the same thing happens. Are you ready? The only thing they care about, let me kiss him. Let me kiss her. And then y'all go cut the cake. Because we don't care. How simple is that? Can I ask you married couples who have been married for a long time, go back and think how much money was spent on your wedding. 
And would we all not go back and just say, give us the check? <laughs> give us the check on the ladder and permission of wedding light. Let's just get this thing done. Well, always remember this. That's how simple it should be. The only time it got complicated is when man got involved. But when you look at this, Jacob is getting ready. Jacob had 12 sons. He had one daughter. And when I walk through here, and if you'll go to Genesis chapter 29, his sons, in verse 32, Reuben, in verse 33, Simeon, in verse 34, Levi, in verse number 35, Judah, verse number 18 of chapter 30, we'll transition to chapter 30, we find verse 18, Issachar, verse 20, Zebulun, chapter 30 and verse number 6, back up, Dan, 8, Naphtali, go to verse 11 of chapter 30, Gad, and then you have Asher, and then you have chapter 30, verse 24, Joseph, and then chapter 35, verse 18, you have Benjamin. Now, after I went and said, okay, I read these chapters and I said to myself, how did something so simple and so wonderful between just a man and a woman at the mouth of a well turn out to be so complicated? Because at the end of this, Jacob had four wives, 13 children, 12 sons, and a whole lot of drama. A whole lot of drama. When all he set out to do was this. Yes, mama, I'll go and obey. And in obedience, he found the love of his life. He just wanted to marry. He did the right thing. He went to daddy. Did you men hear that? Did you single guys hear that? He did the right thing after he kissed her. And uh, so, <laughs> I, in my notes, in my notes, I knew I had to say that. But I'm like, Lord, you know I got to throw that in there. <laughs> Don't kiss her. Go talk to dad before you do. <laughs> Jacob was at the mercy. And do not say, well, I was just trying to be biblical. And uh, <laughs> Jacob was at the mercy of the drama that existed, listen to this, in Laban's heart and in Laban's family. Jacob had interacted with a man that he was going to have to deal with and overcome Laban's insecurity and Laban's drama to just simply love a woman. So here he is, he marries Two women, two sisters, two handmaids, 13 children, 12 sons, one daughter. Instead of Laban letting, and, and please heed these words, instead of Laban letting the relationship of love develop, Laban, Laban tried to develop it inside his mind and what he wanted. Emmanuel, listen to this. God's in complete control with your love and your relationship with him. And keep it simple. I just simply love the Lord. When I got done studying this, and we're going to be done because my mind is so fixed on the tamales. <laughs> I, 
I took each of the women, and each of the women represent the kind of family member that you and I could be. Each of the women represent the kind of Christian life that you and I could live. And when I looked at these four ladies, I realized very quickly back there a long time ago, now over a decade, I said, I now know the kind of Christian I want to be, and I now know the kind of church I want to pastor if I ever pastor, and I now know the kind of environment and culture that I want to create and I want to lead. I want to do it in my life, I want it in my family's life, and I want it with anybody I ever interact with. And there are four women found here, and these four women in this story bring about the four kinds of atmosphere and culture that you can have in your Christian life and that you can have in the church you attend. And if you want drama, listen to this, then Emmanuel Baptist Church is not the church for you. I am anti-drama. Now, we'll have problems. I get that. But you're going to find out, and I'm going to find out. So let's go to Genesis chapter 20 and verse 20. I'm sorry, Genesis 29 and verse 20. And you're going to find out how did Leah get into the picture. And this is the first kind of relationship that you can have with the other family members and the, and the attitude you can take on. How did Leah get into the picture? Genesis 29, 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. Verse 21. And Jacob said unto Laban, give me my wife. For my days are fulfilled that I may go in unto her. Verse 22. And Laban gathered together all the men in the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening, verse 23, that he took Leah. Did you see that? That he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. Verse 24. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his maid for an hand. And it came to pass, verse 25. Look at this. And it came to pass in the morning. Behold, it was who? Leah. Now, I'm not going into any details, but listen to this. All of the sudden, what should have been naturally, this is the woman I saw at the well, this is the one I want to marry, this is the one I'm in love with, I want her, you can have her. And then Laban in the background manipulated the situation not to give Rachel, but he manipulated it, and all of a sudden, he, there was forced, and Jacob didn't even realize until he woke up the next morning and he said, look at verse 25, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Did I not serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou, look at that next word, beguiled me. Oh, my friend, listen to this. There should be no deception in a relationship with Jesus Christ there should be total transparency, and I'm not out to get anything from anybody. I just want to let you know that Jesus Christ will save you. Jesus Christ will transform you. Jesus Christ has given us a book. Thank you for the illustration. Jesus Christ has given us a book, and if you read that book, you'll find out that Jesus loves you. Jesus wants to be with you. Jesus doesn't want to complicate it. He wants to make it very simple, but man has taken God's word, and man has taken everything, and they've manipulated it. Listen to this, to get seven more years of service out of you. We have lost simple church. Because Laban's look at pure love as something to use 
for more work rather than just let it be pure. Hey, Laban, I, I saw your daughter. First, I need to apologize for kissing her. But I did repent because I wept. <laughs> I, I would love to have your daughter for my wife. Serve me seven years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Only to wake up and go, Laban, what, what did you do? I came to you in honesty. I love her. I, I came to you in honesty and... Now you, you, you deceived me. But isn't it amazing to you that he did not walk out on his first love. He just simply backed up and said, all right, I'll serve seven more years. You listen to this and please listen to this. When you and I have the right outlook as a family member, even then we keep our focus on Jesus Christ and we keep our focus on love, then listen to this. It doesn't matter the deceit and the beguile. I am amazed at Christians who hang in there and keep going to church and keep loving the Lord even after they've been deceived. That is not a testament to the individual. That is a testament to the wow factor of what Jesus did for us and how much he loved us. And if he loved us that much, I can put up with all this junk. I want to be defined by the book, and the book is telling me exactly what I need to be. It is laying it out right there. Y'all listen to this. It was forced... It was manipulated. And may that kind of culture not exist at Emmanuel. And when you hear other family members from other houses tell you, oh, you know, sneak up on, on this and don't talk about baptism until you get them down at the altar and, and, and just kind of don't tell them about the church and don't tell No. We are upfront about what this thing about Christianity is all about. He wants to save you. He wants you to get baptized for him. He wants you to have a Bible. He wants you to love him. He wants you to be vocal about him. He just wants you to be on fire for him. And let's not use people to get work out of people. But there are family members out there that they're all about, are they not? Okay. We find here that Leah was forced. Go to chapter 30 and verse 1. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I in God's stead who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? Do you know the second way you and I can live as family members is we can start making moves out of envy and competition. Because see, Rachel said, well, I'm barren. Nothing's happening in my life. So, 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 and I, and I don't want to look like I'm, I'm not fruitful. So let me get in a competition. So he gives the handmaid and uses, she uses the handmaid 
to all of a sudden start competing with Leah. Listen to this. I am not in competition with anybody else in this auditorium, and I'm not in competition with any other pastor. Listen to this. If God so chooses to withhold something from my womb spiritually, and he so chooses to say, Bob, you're going to go barren for a little bit, or Bob, you're going to be this for a little bit, and Bob, you're going to be this for a little bit, listen to this. I've got to be okay with what the master wants from my life, and I cannot look at anybody else's life and go, well, I must not be a good Christian if I am not having that. Oh, you listen to this. Be okay with not being as good as the other guy. Be okay that I'm not as spiritual as the other person. Do not be okay if the Lord's speaking to your heart and you're not responding. But don't look down the row and say, well, their family acts like this, so we got to act like this, and they do this, so we got to do this. And don't let people give you numbers, listen, church, and then compare their numbers with your numbers and think, well, I'm not as good as they are because I didn't. Don't, don't let them tell you this. And they go, well, well, I'm not that. So, I, so I, I, must not be, I must not be a good Christian. No. No. Keep it simple. I saw him at the well. He saw me. We fell in love. I do not love my wife because of the number of children she has given me. I do not love my wife because of the children we had or didn't have. I love my wife because I love my wife. And many Christians, oh, please hear this. And many Christians, when they don't have children to caretake, don't know how to love the Lord. Most Christians, if they don't have a wheel of a bus or the podium of a class, or children, don't know how to love. Because we have confined love to children. And that's why when the empty nest happens in your home, most adults are strangers because they let children be a litmus test of love. Oh, listen to this. I love the Lord not because I'm better than you or you're better than I. Don't, don't live that way. Don't, don't live, don't, don't make the purity and the simplicity of how this whole thing got started. Don't complicate it. I, I'm not, I, I am not doing this. I am not going to force this. I am not doing this out of envy. Then look at Genesis chapter 30, the third. You have Zilpah. So this story gets crazy. Jacob's standing here going, what? what? Are you serious? Seven years? All right, I'll serve seven more years. You lied to me, but I'll serve. Then all of a sudden, there was, there was this envy because Rachel didn't have any children. She said, all right, I'm envious, and i got to keep up with Leah, so let's do it this way. And any time a decision for any next move is based off becoming better than the other guy, that's not of God. Next, you have Genesis 30, verse 9. When Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a son. And Leah said, a troop cometh. 
and she called his name Gad. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for the daughters, look at it, will call me what, please? Blessed. You know what she wanted? She said, I'm losing attention. Nobody's paying me attention anymore. Because all of a sudden, Jacob's having all these babies, and nobody's paying me any attention anymore. And, 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 and I just got to do something to get attention. I got to leave a legacy. People got to remember me. In order for this to happen, I, 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 want, I want them to see me again. Listen, the worst way to live in this family is to always want to be the center of attention. Oh, listen to this, new believers. We got a lot of crazy family members out here that it's all about them. Build a statue for me. Name a building after me. Did anybody talk about me? It's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about the Lord. I'm just coming to you this morning as one of your family members and one of your brothers in Christ saying, let's make our family not a family, that we are doing what we're doing because of anything else other than this. Sinner saw Savior. Savior saw sinner. We loved each other. We just want to be forgiven. I just want to develop this love and I want to live happily ever after. Well, we're going to do it this way. You do it that way. I'm a sinner. I met a Savior. Just want to love him. Well, no, 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 no. You, we, we got to make sure we're, we're keeping up with what's going on over there. How many did you have in church? All of them. Well, how many people got baptized? And every one of them. Listen, we cannot do Christianity based off a of competition, and we cannot do this based off of, look at me, look at me, look at me. I was talking to a uh, uh, witness for the Lord and uh, knocked on this door, and uh, this uh, lady came to the door and said, man, where do you go to church? She said, I go, I go down the church right down the road. I said, wonderful. I said, ma'am, who's your pastor? Hey, what's our pastor's name? Voice from the back calls it out, and she goes, no, that was the last guy. What's our, what's this guy's name? She says, he's only been there a couple weeks. What's this guy's name? Come on, you know you voted for him. This is the conversation. There's one part of me that goes, what? You don't know the man of God's name? And then there's the other part of me that says, pastors come and go. But Christ remains the chief cornerstone. May our services get so good. I think one of the college students put it best in chapel the other day. When they said, I don't remember what sermon it was. And I don't remember who was preaching. But boy, the Lord spoke to my heart. It, 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 I'm going to give you from the flip side. Are you ready? I've been sitting with pastors to where somebody said, now, now, I don't know which one of you guys preached it. And I've seen people, well, that was me. Look at me. I don't want to be part of that family. I don't want anything to do with those people. And then the last one is where I want to live. First love. Just first love. All I want to do is just love that woman right there. 
Rachel. We've read it. Genesis 29, if you go back there, because I want to end with this. Genesis 29. Jacob just wanted to love this girl. Jacob is beguiled. And look at Jacob's attitude. Genesis 29, 20. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And I'm ending. I've only been preaching 30 minutes, 31 minutes. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. But you look at these beautiful words. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. How much you get this dynamic? Rachel's like, Daddy, Daddy, just, 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 Daddy. He's coming up on his seventh year anniversary, and Daddy, just in a couple of days we get to get married. Think about this now. Think it from the flip side of the bride. Rachel's getting ready for that night. They went through the entire feast. She wore the wedding. It's time. Everybody's like, congratulations, Rachel. Thank you. Congratulations, Jacob. Yes, this is wonderful. I served seven years, but I love this woman. It just seemed like just a few days. And Jacob's like, I'll be waiting on you. And Rachel backs away. So I'll see you in just a moment. She goes home to get her suitcases and luggage, if you will. And then daddy comes to her and says, go back to your room. You're not going. Leah, go. The next day. The next day. Jacob was like, Laban, you lied to me, and that was a dirty trick. And there's no doubt there's this girl standing back there named Rachel. With those eyes that's looking over the shoulder of her daddy. Just going, I, I, did, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that this trick would be pulled. I didn't know. And Laban says, you want her? You've got to give me seven more years. And he looks at her and he says, I love you so much that I'll serve another seven years for you. And baby, can you hold on for just a few more days? Because to him, it was just a few days. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. It's just a few more days. No matter how much we've been lied to, no matter how it's gone, just a few more days. And don't get caught up in the rat race of the family. And especially the kind of Baptist we are. Don't look at all these publishings and all this chatter from the rest of the family and think to yourself, are we behind? Are we lagging? No, let's keep it simple. Sinner met Savior. Savior loved sinner. And I just want to serve him. 
That's all I want to do. Because just a few more days. Just a few more days. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music to my ears. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, let me beg you. Just keep it simple. When somebody tries to force you into compliance, just simply say, I don't know what that's all about. When somebody says, well, how do you compare? I don't know. I don't know, and I don't care. When, when somebody's trying to do this to you, and they're trying to qualify your relationship with the Lord, you just simply say, I don't know anything about all that. All I know is once I was blind, but now I can see. My family was in a mess, and now he's healed our family completely. I don't know about how this church work and theology works. I just know this, that every day I wake up, he lives and abides within me. And every time I need him, he's right there. And every time something goes wrong, the forgiveness he has for us is the forgiveness we have for each other. <laughs> That's the kind of family I want to be. Boy meets girl. Girl meets boy. They fall in love. They get married. And they live happily ever after. Heavenly Father. I cannot live up to the expectations of everybody else. I'm not smart enough to know how to get the most out of people. I don't want to live in competition. I don't want to live. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the kind of brothers in Christ with my sisters and brothers that my next move is based in envy and competition. No matter how complicated this gets, <laughs> 